All right, so as people are filing out, uh, maybe Joe, after a little bit, you can close those doors as people wrap up. Thank you, sir. Uh, so it's not just me up here tonight. This uh, Cody Klein as well. Uh, I got to teach John 11 last week, but uh, Cody and I will be doing this together. Um, and I, I'll be shocked if we go 10, 15 minutes. Hard to talk about pain and suffering 10, 15 minutes. So if you got to leave in 10, 15 minutes, you do what you got to do. Uh, but we might unpack it a little longer than that. So all that to say. You want to kick us off and maybe uh, yeah, I'd love set, to. set tone for tonight? I'd love to. Um, guys, we're really purposeful in how we titled tonight's After Salt. Um, you know, you could have gone with, uh, let's, let's talk about the problem of pain and suffering or, you know, that type of thing. But uh, our hearts tonight is, is we approach this topic, we didn't want to come at this from like uh, an academic and emotionless angle. Um, because we know you give a message like John 11 last week, uh, you get a topic like this. Um, the reason that people are probably in this room is because either you're experiencing a great level of pain yourself or suffering yourself, or you know someone who is. And right now you're in the spot where you're either yourself trying to walk through it and understand it, or you're trying to walk with somebody else and help them understand it. And so our, our posture as we come in tonight is we really wanted to talk about kind of the emotion side of things and come at it from kind of the, the real practical angle of, of what do you, you do? Because um, no doubt in this room, there are some who are experiencing currently the, the pains of brokenness, relational brokenness, or divorce, um, maybe in this room, sexual abuse, or anxiety, or pain, or the pain of illnesses, or the loss of a loved one, or cancer, or, or any of those evils, and uh, yeah, we just want to kind of start tonight by, by talking first about how do we, uh, as pastors, and how do we, as, as, as people, walk in and through pain. Um, guys, it was just <clears throat> about a year ago, I walked into a hospital room and sat down with two good friends of mine who were watching their 18-week-old baby boy uh, take his last breaths. Uh, we had prayed. I mean, we, we had prayed so many days for that little boy's life that God would heal him. And there were good days, and then there were some not good days that were all strung together that led to that day. And uh, guys, when I walked into that room, I just want you to know, and especially if you're trying to right now walk with somebody through pain and suffering, just, just know that this is how I, I, I walk into those moments. Um, I try to embody John 11. So if you remember last week, right, Jesus in that scenario, what, what he did, right, because I don't just walk in there and go, guys, it's gonna be fine, even if he dies, God will raise him up on the last day. He's good. And just like Jesus bomb him. I love how Jesus in that, that, that John 11 moment, uh, this is one of the things like when people ask me like, what do you love about Jesus? I'm like, I love stuff like this. Like he's sovereign and completely in control and he knows what's gonna happen and he knows that it's all gonna work out for good and yet he still in the moment weeps. And so when I walk into that room, that hospital room, I'm not coming in with a bunch of answers and quick thoughts and Hallmark card thoughts, whatever. I, I, I walk in 
and I throw my arm around my friend, Anna, and I say, this sucks. I'm sorry. And I just sit with her, and we cry together. And I throw my arm around my buddy, Nathan, and when I finally get to a spot where I want to pray, or say something, this is like the most common thing that I will just mumble in the midst of times like that. Um, it's, the, it's the best thing I can cling to is Psalm 23, 6. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Right, Psalm 23, you know that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? The, the, the beautiful passage, it, it ends with this verse, verse six, it starts like this. And only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. Everything in my life, there's one reality that is true. And everything in my life, there's one reality that is true, that only goodness and faithful love is pursuing me every moment of every day. And in that moment, I just speak that over them that somewhere in this is the goodness and faithfulness of God. It is there somewhere and I'll pray for us to see it. And then I shut up again, and I just sit with them. That's how I walk through pain and suffering. Well, what about you? Yeah, so I'd say like that's maybe the right way, uh, <laughs> if there's a right way to, to jump in, maybe a bit more like the model. Um, I've made mistakes, actually, um, in walking with people through pain and suffering that I'd just love to share with you. So my wife, Casey, walked through a season of anxiety and depression in our first year of marriage. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to fix it. Like if she was down in the valley, I just wanted to throw her a rope and throw her memory verses and whatever and just and like drag her out of there. And that was a mistake. Uh, because what my wife needed wasn't somebody to fix it. She needed her husband to be present with her and sitting with her and listening to her. That's what my wife needed in the moment. Um, I think uh, you go to the book of Job, a guy very clearly in suffering. Actually, uh, his friends, if you read that narrative in chapter two, actually his friends come and do something incredible. They just come and sit with Job and cry with Job for like days. They're actually really good friends to start. And then they open their mouths and everything goes sideways, right? But like when they, but to start off, like things go well. But like when you have an opportunity for people to be heard and not be judged and just listen to them and be present, it's powerful. I talked to Sarah Herring about this. So Sarah's walked, uh, Sarah and Jacob walked through multiple miscarriages. Um, so I'll reference her a handful of times. But, but she said the power of somebody just sitting with you and being present with you is is so powerful. She, she goes, it's kind of like that movie Inside Out, like when sadness comes and just sits and cries with the person. She goes, you need a friend like that to just come alongside you and cry with you, weep when others weep, that aren't trying to fix it, especially with like anxiety, depression type things, but to, to help them know that like you are known and you are loved by God and me right now. So that's, that's a fix-it mistake I've made. Uh, another mistake I've, I've made is uh, when something's been pretty fresh. I remember recently talking to a friend. And, and somewhere along the way, I had mentioned something like, uh, but just, just know, like, God's sovereign in this. And I didn't even know I said it. Like, I say stuff like that all the time. But he circled back later and said, actually, that, Jordan, I love you, man. That wasn't helpful in the moment. 
Like, I know that that's a truth that I needed to hear. In the moment, not helpful. And I was really grateful that he said that to me uh, because I, tr- I think truth, like people sometimes really need to hear truth. And Sarah said this is really helpful. Like, but we have to remember that we are partnering with the Holy Spirit and, and we need to pray and be sensitive to when it is helpful to, to maybe speak truth into people's lives. And typically it's not right away. Typically when you walk into that room, it's not like your baby will rise again. Like it's not what they need. They need people to be present with them. Um, so that would be maybe some of my encouragements for those of you walking with others through pain and suffering, to be quiet, to listen, to pray for people, be present, point them to Jesus. But then on top of that, maybe some of you are actually walking through that season. And, and I haven't walked through very deep valleys. D.A. Carson say, live long enough uh, and you'll, you'll face suffering. It'll come. But um, I talked to Casey just today. I'm like, okay, so when you walk through that season, how would you articulate to somebody uh, what would be the most helpful for someone to hear? And, and she said, Jordan, and she's a deep feeler, but she's like, my, my feelings were all over the place. I just couldn't trust my feelings in that moment. Uh, and at the end of the day, she knew the truth in her head, but it wasn't connecting to her heart. And a lot of times for people in that spot, it's really tough to connect those, right? But she goes, I, but I knew I had to keep going back to God's word. And, and being around community who would speak truth into her, even when it was almost like she, she was, she's like, I don't want to use the word force, but I had just to continue to stay saturated in what's true and God's word, even if I didn't feel like it, like the feeling's just all over the place. But she's like, I needed truth. I needed that plumb line. So, so that would be maybe some words for like, like if you're walking with people through pain and suffering, and then if you're walking through pain. Uh, let, let's get maybe a bit into the meat uh, of, of this whole talk. Uh, and I start, start asking questions like, what is God's purpose in pain? Like, people who don't know Jesus, that's a fair question to ask. If your God allows pain, what's, why, right? Because uh, pain is not purposeless, okay? I think that's really important to, to hear. Yeah, go just, for it. No, just that, that one-liner, guys. Like, pain is never purposeless, Okay. Just grab onto that. There, there is purpose in it all. Right. And I, th- I think one thing is we zoom out. Like, we have to know a reality. We are in spiritual warfare. So the devil is at work, right? Okay? But when we look at the bo- book of Job, we also know that although evil doesn't come from God, God holds everything in his hand. And everything good or bad does not go unchecked or unknown or out of God's control. I love John Piper. He says it this way, Satan may be a lion, but he's a lion on a leash, right? So God allows suffering, but he also has purpose behind it. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, you can write that one down. Like there's, it's not meaningless. Um, that being said, guys, it's true that bad things happen to good and godly people, right? Just even go to the Bible. Joseph, the story of Joseph. If you know Joseph, right, his brothers pretty much like left him for dead, sold him into slavery. He, he ended up in prison, all these things. Man of integrity becomes, by God's grace and sovereignty, number two in command in Egypt. And then as a famine strikes the land, his brothers come back, realize that they're in front of Joseph, and they're like, we're done for. And Joseph, in that moment, in Genesis 50, if you want to write this down, this is where the narrative hits. He says, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? That's what he says. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good 
to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Like there was purpose in Joseph's pain. He probably didn't feel that in the moment, but there was purpose in his pain. And then, guys, you want to talk about like purpose behind pain? It's what Stephen talked about. It was the cross, right? Like the ultimate pain and suffering for the ultimate purpose and the hope of salvation of many, right? We can see that there's purpose behind what God is doing, okay? And we learned in last week in John 11, when it comes to like, what is the purpose of pain, Jesus would point to, it is for God's glory. At the end of the day, like that's big picture, it's for God's glory. I would also say it's for things like your sanctification, James 1, 2 through 4, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So that purpose, you may be mature and complete, like more like Jesus. Okay, so sanctification. It also could be, your pain could be for the benefit of others. Joseph's pain and suffering was for the benefit of many. I've watched my wife shepherd so many women now through anxiety and depression. It's, it's getting me wonder, like, maybe that was, like, one of the purposes behind God allowing that to happen, you know? And I'll, I'll, so I'll say those two things, and I'll, I'll say this, and I know you got thoughts behind this, Cody, but, like, and also there's a level of mystery, too. Like, we're not always going to be able to connect the dots. I wish I could stand up here and say, like, oh, let me, let me be able to connect all those dots for you. It's it's not the case, but we have to remember, we have to remember God's character and that he's God and we're not. Um, I, want, I want to quote this. You got something real quick? I want to quote this by J.I. Packer, and then I want to start getting your thoughts on some of these things. We should not, therefore, be too taken aback when unexpected and upsetting and discouraging things happen to us now. What do they mean? Simply that God in his wisdom means to make something of us which we have not attained yet, and he is dealing with us accordingly. He goes on to say, we may be frankly bewildered at things that happen to us, but God knows exactly what he is doing and what he is after in his handling of our affairs. And that speaks to probably for me what is like the greatest challenge or, or question of this whole issue is sometimes when I enter into a situation and I, I have to ask like, but God, why the length of this suffering? You know, couldn't the purposes have been accomplished in one week of this trial, not months, years? Why, why the depth of the pain? Why, why the, the senselessness? Like, like, like why this, this family and not, not that one? You know, and, I, and I've had to walk with friends through the that, that thought of, did I deserve this? Like, is it because of something that I did that I, that I deserve this? And, and guys, my honest, like, elder of this church, pastor to people answer on that one is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I can't explain it in every sense. I really do have to trust that God, who is pursuing me right, always with goodness and faithful love, knows what he's doing, guys. And I understand that his priorities are different than mine, as shown in John 11. And guys, I'm, I also take great comfort in the fact that, that we worship a God who is not unacquainted with suffering himself. He cares deeply for us and he knows how awful suffering is. He's not distant. 
He's near. Sometimes his priorities are different. In fact, I think, guys, there's a passage of scripture I go to a lot, um, and I didn't want to start here because this maybe will come off a little bit more like uh, maybe academic or emotionless, but guys, there's actually a, a time in scripture where Jesus is confronted by the question we're asking tonight, where people surround him and they're demanding an answer and they want to know, why did this awful thing happen to some innocent people? Maybe you've read it before, maybe you've read it before and just never caught it. Go with me to Luke 13. We're gonna look at just verses one through five here quick. So Luke 13, verses one through five. And this, this actually ties in a little bit to what's going on in Job because in the Jewish world, there was this uh, belief, they, they called it the retribution principle, which is essentially the opposite of karma, right? Karma is... If you do good things, good things will happen to you. If you do bad things, bad things will happen to you, right? Well, the retribution principle is the opposite of that in that it states that if bad things happen to you, it must mean that you are a bad person. And then if good things happen to you, it must mean that you're a good person. And that's what Job's friends were surrounding him and they were coming with some terrible advice because they're coming in going, Job, you must have done something to upset God because if these bad things are happening to you, then clearly you deserved it. And it doesn't always work that way. The retribution principle doesn't, doesn't work. This is what Jesus says, because they, they come to him and they, they, this is their question. So this is Luke 13. At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So they bring this story to him. These people were worshiping and Pilate killed him and put their blood into the sacrifices. And he responded to them, do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? He knows exactly where they're going to this. They wanna know what sin did these people commit to deserve this? And if they didn't sin, then why did it happen? And so he says, do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And then he takes it, to another level, he says, or what about those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell on and killed? So now we're not talking about like the, the act of an evil man killing some people. We're talking about like a freak act of nature, freak act of, of God that the tower just fell on these people and killed 18 people. And he goes, what do you do with that? And his response is the exact same. Do you think that they're more sinful than all the other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish as well. As this world is broken, and it's not Jesus' desire to fix this world here, but to take you home, to the eternal home with him forever. His goal is not to make heaven on earth. He wants to take you to heaven. And when he allows these things to happen in our world, Matthew 5 tells us that he allows the rains to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? And the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous in ways in which we can't understand, why are you letting good things happen to them? And he would respond, I'm being patient with them, wanting them to see my grace to them, that they might turn to me and receive me. Why are you letting bad things happen to me? I'm shaping you and molding you. I'm, I'm working in all things. Everything has 
purpose. But my desire is not to make heaven on earth. It's actually to break your white-knuckled grip of the things of this world and realize it's all going to die. It's all decaying. It's all rotting away. It's all going to break. Everything in this world is evil and awful. And guys, here's the most beautiful truth of it all, too. It's also a vapor and a mist. It's over in a moment. And I want you not to cling to it, but to cling to me, the only source of hope. And so he allows it. Because he wants us to cling to him. Because he's the only certain ground that we can stand on. That's the best I got. That's good. I don't know. Are we getting into Q&A a bit tonight? Yeah, we can. Okay. I mean, you guys can think. If you guys got questions, um, if it's all right, I'd like to maybe address pain and suffering from maybe a bit of a different angle and, and, and talk theologically a bit with you. That has a lot of implications, I believe. Uh, and answer the question, is it always God's will to, God's will to heal someone? Uh, or ask differently, if you have enough faith, will God always heal that person, right? Um, I think the first thing I would say is that faith and prayer, uh, it's always something for me to grow in. It's always something for all of us to grow in. And it's the greatest mystery of God that God is sovereign and in control, yet he hears our prayers and our prayers cause things to happen, right? And I think that should grow and embolden our faith to pray. We were praying for Ernie's grandma, right? I just got the text that like this crazy thing, she's healed now. It's like, okay, continue to pray in faith that God would heal, right? I say that and then I would also say, and also Jesus waited two days and let Lazarus die. That's the biblical truth that we have to wrestle with. Like God chose and allowed Lazarus to, to die. Um, you can go other places in scripture, right? Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, but drink a little wine for your stomach. Or it's like, okay, well, maybe prayer wasn't healing Timothy, you know? And then Paul talks about a thorn in his side. And I know it's, there's an argument on what that actually means, but he's like, I prayed three times for God to take it away, but God did not. And the greatest example, right? Pain and suffering that wasn't taken away was at the cross. There's purpose in these things though. Uh, and I think what, what for, for you to hear tonight that uh, God and his suffering may, al- God and his sovereignty may allow suffering in your life and others. My hope, and this is my press last week, is that you would trust him, that you trust him in those things. So um, I don't know what we have for time right now, but um, we could potentially get into some questions if, if it's helpful. Yeah. So guys, we, we create space. We got about five minutes left here. If anybody's got a question that they want to throw at us, I'll try to do my best to repeat it back so everybody can hear it. And then, uh, yeah, we'll kind of end our time that way. Any specific questions? So the, the question is, and you said you've been getting this from friends twice. Uh, how is good with all of this pain that's coming into my life? How is God good in that? Um, I'd actually love for you, for you to speak. You're a father, you know. I, I, maybe you want to go a different angle with that, but I'm just even thinking like, he talked about this in a sermon a while ago, but just talking about a, a good father loving 
his children enough to allow. Yeah, I, I mean, as a father, I don't shield my kids from everything that comes their way. Uh, there, there are times where I will allow pain to, to hit them, where I'll let them feel the, 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 the tragedies of this world uh, to continue to kind of keep their eyes fixed on what really matters and matters the, the most. You know, what is it like... Uh, like God whispers in our joys, but he screams loudest in our pains. There is something about how pain is, is a unique tool to awaken the heart to cry out for God. And I, I think we can acknowledge that across the board and see, yeah, it, it does. It causes a, a person to, to do that. And so I, I would say that that would be good. Um, I love this John Piper quote. John Piper says this about love. He says that love is laboring and suffering, if necessary, to captivate somebody with what will make them eternally and infinitely happy. And that's Christ. And so in order for God to be loving, he must labor and suffer, if necessary, to enthrall or captivate us with what will make us eternally and infinitely happy. And he is trying in all of his different ways and all of his infinite wisdom to captivate us with what will make us eternally and infinitely happy. And he will sometimes use pain to cause us to cry out, to realize I'm not self-sufficient. I can't make it on my own. Uh, this world doesn't fulfill all of its promises to me. And I need something else. Uh, that'd be my answer to that. Would you no, add? No, I think that's really good. That's what I was hoping you'd hit, Kyle. Uh, that I'm putting you on the spot for the next that's one. Great. Anybody got a that's question great. for Jordan? <laughs> but I think that's it, though. Like, and that's that's the hard part too, is because we know the character of God, and and it, and it gets to that question when when hard times come. It's like, do you tr do you trust Him? And that's what it'll ultimately boil down to. And if someone doesn't know Jesus the way, that's gonna be that'll be that'll be tough. Uh, and so to continue to introduce them to, it's like the knowledge of the holy, right? Tozer's book. By the way, for resources wise, uh, Tim Keller has written a book called Walking Through Pain and Suffering. Uh, it's a great book. I just, I just read a little bit of it for my John 11 sermon. It makes me want to read the rest of it. It was really helpful. And on our um, equipping podcast, uh, Running Deep for Actually the Women, Jake and Sarah, talk, Jake and Sarah Herring talk about uh, their struggle through miscarriage and uh, and, and God walking them through that. Uh, it was really helpful. So not just for women. I mean, it was really helpful. So a couple of resources, but it's a really good question. Yeah. So one more question. We'll take it. Yeah, so the question is, so not everybody who experiences pain turns to Jesus. And would you want us to speak more to the, the people that turn away from Jesus? Or are you talking about people that already know Jesus but are experiencing pain? Or both? Both, okay. Yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> you know, that does seem purposeless, right? If, if the pain works against the... Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll say this, guys. I don't... I don't know how to walk through pain and suffering outside of Jesus. I, it's, I, it's so, I came to Christ at such a young age, it's so hard for me to get in that mindset where it's like, I would be so hopeless, honestly. And, and even just like Christless counseling, it's, 
morally uh, sound and maybe helpful practically and pragmatically, uh, but long-term, it, it's void of eternal hope, right? Um, so, you know, it's, it, it is interesting. Well, I mean, I'll keep looking at you, Stephen, your passage tonight. Um, you got to be careful not to just shove Bible and Jesus down pe- people's throats, right? It, it really is, and especially for people who don't know Jesus, you'll actually maybe even love them to Jesus by not saying anything, right? Like what, kind of what we're talking about. Um, but the fix it, the answer, the whatever, it's, it's not a seven-step program. It's a person. And so we, we continually have to go back back to him and uh, in. And you want to sit with people in, in, people in their pain, but I, I do think, again, yeah, it all comes back to a person. So I don't know if that's answering your question, so I yeah, apologize I, if it's I, not. I, I got to say this, too. And, guys, I, I know that this will sound like I'm trying to speak out of both ends of my mouth. And, and there is a complexity here, which is why it's a good, good question. Guys, um, I, I don't believe that God delights at all in pain. Yeah, I think it's true. Does that make sense? I don't believe that God delights at all in pain. He hates it because it is not a part of his created order. It wasn't a part of his original design. Now, God has an incredible ability to, even in the darkest situations, do his greatest works. His best work comes out of crap-filled grounds, soils. It's what he's best at. He's able to go into the darkest situations and make them the brightest. That's what he's really good at. Do you know who delights in pain? There's one who his desire is to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's an adversary to God. He delights in your pain. When the most egregious things happen in the world, and the worst things happen to you, he loves it. And guys, when people turn from God and push him away and run the other direction, there's, there's only one, you can only go to God or back to the world and to the, the ruler of this world, right? And when you run that way, I'm like, you are running full arm into the arms of somebody who delights in that pain and only wants to bring you more and more and more. And there's no hope there. There is no hope there. But I want to turn to a God who is able to bring hope, even in a dark situation, so that that isn't the end of the story. That isn't all that you are defined by. That doesn't have to mark you for all the days of your life. You can actually be made new and taken home, and that is no more. Heaven is a place where there is no more crying, no more death, no more pain. The old is gone, the new has come. Guys, that's God's intended purpose. That's what he delights in. And so I think we gotta keep those things squarely in mind even though God is sovereign and able to use it, 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 I don't, to say that it originates with him or it was his idea or how that acted out, like, oh, that was, he, you know, he's up there delighting. God is not like that. No. Yeah. So, guys, with that, I see a hand go up. 
I promised you two questions. We've now gone 40 minutes. And somebody at one point had said like 10 or 15, so we're we screwing this up big time. Uh, so Jordan and I, we're glad that we're here as long as you want us to be here, as long as there's questions and stuff. So uh, Jordan, would you just yeah. please pray for yeah. us and, uh, and then we'll head out. I'd love to actually re read 2 Corinthians 4 over you guys, um, give a quote and pray. Um, so it says this, therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. J.I. Packer says this, Once Paul saw that his trouble was sent, sent him to enable him to glorify Christ, he accepted it as wisely appointed and even rejoiced in it. Here's our prayer. God, give us grace in all our own troubles to go and do likewise. Father, we're asking for uh, you to do what, what only you can do, and that's by your grace to comfort us in our pain. <coughs> Father, we have to understand the realities that there's spiritual warfare at work and that the devil is on the prowl, but he's a lion on a leash, and God, you are in control. You're working all things out for, for our good and your glory. Father, even when things don't make sense and even the deepest, darkest valleys, uh, seems like Paul kept his eyes fixed on you, Jesus. I pray that we would be the kind of people that would fix our eyes on you, that we would point other people to you, that we would weep with others the way that you wept with Martha and Mary, Jesus, and that we would trust you. I, I do believe it comes down to knowing who you are, Father, and trusting that you are good and that this world, it's, it is, it's all going to burn and, and you will make all things new and we look forward to that hope and it presses us forward in times of trials, pain, and suffering. So we, we look to you, Jesus, our eyes fixed on you, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for pursuing us with your love. Thanks for the hope we have in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Feel free to head on out or socialize. But again, Jordan and I will just be up here up front to talk, pray, whatever you want. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yes, thank you.